the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for watching live, thanks for hanging out. If you smash that subscribe, smash that like, come and join us in the chat. We love having your feedback all throughout the show, especially as we're running down these win totals, counting them up for you. We did the SEC East on Monday. Today, we tackled the SEC West, Alabama, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. We are getting all of our lines, of course, from Caesar Sportsbook. We do have some news that we want to hit before we get out of here. So uh, some thoughts on the injury news at Wake Forest, the injury news at Florida, both very significant. We'll be sure to hit that uh, before we get out of here. But we got a very, very busy loaded slate. Seven teams, all with win totals of six or above. So, I mean, gentlemen, y'all ready to uh, to count them up? It just means more. And now, the general manager of Vanderbilt Football. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. RTR roll tide in the building. The chat is here to listen in on our thoughts about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Who have? An over-under win total of 11 wins at the Caesar Sportsbook. It is priced at minus 140 to the over, plus 110 to the under. The non-conference slate, uh, Utah State comes to Tuscaloosa. Then we go to Austin for a highly anticipated meeting between Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian. So Alabama at Texas, very very fun. One of the big games of September. ULM uh, also going to be coming to Tuscaloosa and Austin P right there in November before the Iron Bowl. The draw from the East, the Tyler Steen revenge game, as we referenced on Monday, Vanderbilt will be coming to Alabama. The Alabama-Tennessee game uh, in October, that one will be in Knoxville. Road draw for the Crimson Tide at Arkansas, at LSU, at Ole Miss. The home games, Texas A&M, October 8th, Mississippi State, and again, the Iron Bowl against Auburn at uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium. We've got our reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. We do have some turnover on offense elsewhere. Defensively, we return maybe the best defender, maybe the number one NFL draft pick in Will Anderson. And the popular conversation around this Alabama team has been 
about so many young players, so many highly recruited players. We talked about the blue chip ratio, how absurd it is that basically every single Alabama signee who's not a kicker, a punter, or a long snapper is basically a blue chip. And that's what gives Alabama this stupid roster of talent. 11 wins is a tall ask, especially with the grind of the SEC West and a road trip to Texas. What are we doing with 11 wins for Alabama? Over. Um, I think this is basically betting on if Bryce Young stays healthy or not. Okay. I have a lot of teams in the SEC West that I like as top 15 type teams. I'm not totally convinced that any of those teams in the SEC West is a legitimate like top six or seven power rating type team. Uh, Bryce Young is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Alabama went out and raided the portal for you know a more dependable receiver and an explosive receiver. They went out and got Jameer Gibbs, who's an excellent uh, running back and pass catcher. They shored up the offensive line a little bit, and you know people talk about some of the guys last year on that offensive line who you know didn't perform super well, and that's true. But we talked about this last year in like late September, October, when people are like, "Oh, look, they, we said, hey." If guys go down, J.C. Latham is a freshman, a really talented freshman, who played defensive end for part of his high school career. George was definitely not ready. We t- I talked about seeing those guys in camps. Now both those kids are a year younger, so I actually like their offensive line depth a little bit better. I also believe that the switch they made at offensive line coach might have been the most important move Alabama made all season. I don't believe that they were happy with the performance of the offensive line coaching last season, and I, I think they will be much better up front defensively Kirby Smart said it in his game of the year coaching tape this year I have to think pass first now as a defensive coach on every down and we'll play the run on the way to the quarterback I think Bama could do that they'll limit explosive plays I if Bryce Young stays healthy I think they're 12-0 Tyler Harrell also from the, the speedy wide receiver from Louisville Jermaine Burton as you mentioned it wide receiver Jameer Gibbs should be huge uh, my I'm excited about Dallas Turner guy who flashed a little bit, who could be another huge part of this defense. You know, everyone's going to be so focused on Will Anderson. You know, we're going to, it's another year of experience for some, for Kool-Aid McKinstry and some players on the back end of that defense. 12-0, they show up to Atlanta without a loss on the resume. And uh, I'm also on the over. Danny, go under, do it. I told, as soon as Bud said that about Bryce Young staying healthy, that was my thing. Like if he gets... An ankle, and he misses. Ty a game, Simpson's a ready, buddy. Boy, I'll yeah, tell you what. I, <laughs> there is, like, and this goes back to when and Nick Saban took so you know got so much attention when Nick Saban said last year was a rebuilding year. But I think what he means that he's like, we almost lost to Auburn. Like that's not happening again this year. I think that's kind of what he was alluding to. Um, and last year, I mean, they were decimated by injuries too in the national championship game. They had two one thousand yard, yard receivers out, and they were still in the game. So I think it's also. Like, what if Will Anderson gets hurt? It's just, you'd have to see some really outside of football things have to happen to see this not go as planned. I think the year to bet on Bama is after they've been disappointed. And I think Mm -hmm. this is an angry, motivated uh, team, which is when you need to go all in on Bama. So I'm on the over two. I think this is the best team in the country. I think this team is going to win the national title, and I think this team is going to go over the window. It's, I mean, I, I look at the schedule. 
at Texas, okay, that's early. Tough road game on the road. They'll probably win that by two scores minimum. Right. Uh, Arkansas on the road, tough test. Probably going to win that by two scores minimum. <laughs> Tennessee on the road, tough test. Probably going to win that by two scores minimum. LSU by two scores. Ole Miss by two scores. And then the home slate. Like, I, I won't be shocked if Alabama slips up at some point during the regular season just because this is still college football we're talking about. And that does still happen. And they do play a lot of tough games. And they're in a very tough division. So there's a chance that they're going to screw up and lose a game. But they're not going to lose twice. So I feel like if you take the over, at worst, you're going to push here. This team's going to go 12-0 and or 11-1. and It is going to win the West. It is going to win the SEC. It is going to win the playoff. And then we'll talk about, is Nick Saban retiring? And he won't. He'll be back. He'll come back next year, and then they'll do it again. What I, I was just about to ask this. Kyle from the chat does it as well. So if we are, since we've got four overs on the board, if we are to select a game... What is the most likely slip-up spot for the Crimson Tide? LSU, by far. By far? Explain. Yeah, I think so. Because if you look at the teams that beat Nick Saban's defense, they typically they typically have one thing in common. It's elite receivers that mess up what Saban wants to do, which is play one-on-one on the outside and win the numbers game elsewhere. And I think LSU might have the best receiving core in the SEC. So, like, you know, Kayshawn and those guys – if they have a great day and Mawson, let's go back. Let's let's remember Alshon Jeffrey. Let's remember how Ole Miss did it. You know, back when Ole Miss had really stud receivers, I could see that potentially. Uh, and they also have four guys on the defensive line who I think will be like decent NFL picks at the very least. So it's in Baton Rouge. I I think that's the toughest game on their schedule. Could you not make that same argument then for Texas? No, I don't think Texas can get stops. That's I'm not good. in on Texas defense this year, but I, I th- you, you could make the offensive argument for sure. I th- I, I would go what, Texas A&M is most likely, but what about Tennessee? Wouldn't you put Tennessee the same as Texas? No, Tennessee ain't stopping them. But like, okay, but I, I don't think, think Texas, I don't think Tennessee is the same level of receivers that that LSU does. You know, and like if I'm Nick, Tennessee wants to play that that you know Baylor spread stuff. I'm, I'm going to just stay in too deep. You can try to run it on me some. I'll beat you in the red zone. I'm going to let Turner and Anderson rush. I, I'm, I'm worried about the LSU game, and I'm worried about the Ole Miss game because of the quality of athletes, because of the stuff Lane can do, I think, to frustrate Nick, and because it, they're also back-to-backs. Texas would be hilarious. Oh, my God, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah, again, I, I, I will, I'll shout out Reddit CFB for this one, but they, were, they first put this, this worm in my head, and it's been rattling around, but – it would be Texas beating Alabama, then losing to UTSA. The most incredible <laughs> two-week turn that we could have all season. Two touchdown favorites every game, at least. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say two score. I don't know if two touchdown, but they'll be two score. Well, let's see what Vegas has. <laughs> That's what, why has I, Vegas- I talked to a Vegas insider last week on the radio show, and he said he said two touchdowns every game. I was just seeing if that was what you had too, bud. What's the date of the uh, A&M game? October October eighth, October eighth. That's at home. From, They'll definitely be two touchdowns. Yeah. From the Westgate, uh, they have uh, Bama seventeen. Yeah, hosting. Oh, I'll take A and M. Oh, just just on principle. Yeah, with the points. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I, yeah. yeah. That, that probably got knocked down. I, I can look yeah. in the app, but it, um, it's yeah, probably I, still two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think that we are looking at a two touchdown and. Two touchdown probably and likely and definitely two score favorite in every single game. They might get pushed, but this team and look, 
then we get to do the real fun with Alabama, which is nitpick them against the best teams in the country. But that doesn't happen until December. Uh, they'll, they'll show up to Atlanta as SEC West champs, 12 and 0. Count them up! Turning our attention to those Texas A&M Aggies. Over under win total at the Caesar Sportsbook of eight and a half wins. Minus 170 to the over, plus 145 to the under. Four home non-conference games. Sam Houston State, App State, Miami, and UMass all come into College Station. Uh, from the east, they go to South Carolina. They play Florida at home. In the West, they go to Mississippi State, to Alabama, to Auburn. And the Arkansas game in Arlington counts as a home game this year. So you only have two division home games at Kyle Field. Those will be against Ole Miss and LSU. LSU is the regular season finale. I The, the big question here, I, like, are we, do we feel confident that Texas A&M, in its quarterback room, has a quarterback who can help the Aggies compete with everybody else in the SEC and maybe even like Alabama thrown out. Like, is this, is this a team that is otherwise defense should be absolutely nasty. The offensive line, even after some losses should still be very good. Uh, We've gotten things taken care of in terms of our, our legal troubles at the skill position players as those charges were dropped and they should still be looking at a, a team that has every answer except at the quarterback position if you've got a hunch or if you've got insider info or what your assumption is on who ends up winning that job, or if it matters at all, that's probably where my questions start. But Texas A&M, eight and a half, what are we doing? I'm going over and I feel pretty good about it. I I have concerns about this team. They're, they're well documented because we've talked about them a lot on this show over the last years, like the explosiveness of the offense and the passing game. It's just, it hasn't been there at all under Jimbo in recent years, but most of those concerns are bigger concerns to me when the Aggies are playing elite teams than they are when they're playing just the meat of their schedule. And when you look at the schedule, like you said, Chip, the Arkansas game counts as a home game, but the only road tests, if you look at the Aggies overall road schedule outside of the road trip to Alabama, at Mississippi State, at South Carolina, at Auburn. Not easy, but they're not exactly the most terrifying road games that you could possibly have while playing in the SEC. So I think they catch a break there. In the non-con, yes, App State is a tough game, and I, I, I would not schedule that if I was a premier program because that's just, you know, ask Michigan what happens. But I still think a and probably going to win that game pretty easily. I just think they're going to be too big, too fast, too strong. I think Miami's going to be better this year, but I think at home at Kyle Field, that is going to be a win for the Aggies. And I just go up and down the schedule. It's like, okay, they're losing the Alabama game. And the, even then, they might not. But what are the other games in here where you look at and say, oh, that's a real problem for them? I just don't see enough. So I think this team is going to go 9-3. and three. I think 10 and two is just as likely as eight and four. So I'm going over. <laughs> yeah. The margins are small. Like they're like the margins are small. The point spreads are not going to be anything that we got close to Alabama, but there's no doubt this is the second best team in the West. And so I I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the over here. I'm on the under. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is a guy that, you know, I told you guys five months ago, I, I bet them for the national title, uh, but I, I want, big tickets on this team because I need big things to click, okay? They have had the second worst explosive pass offense in the entire SEC since Jimbo Fisher got there. Only Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt saves them. Their receiver development is terrible. They do not create wide open plays. It's all about, can you hit this guy? 
in stride with a small margin. They want to have answers for every play. They don't play a lot of college offense. And I say all that, and yet they still have a ton of talent. They're the second most talented team in the West, I think. But that talent is also very young in some spots, particularly on the defensive line where they lost their top four guys by snap count. You know, like I want a national title ticket on this team because I feel like those those you know kind of true freshman pups they have could grow up into some dogs by the time they, they sneak into the playoff as a one-loss non-SEC champion. But I only have, I think, four games where they are, are clearly double-digit favorites. Jimbo's teams also play very slow, which means that actually minimizes their talent advantage because it lets teams hang around. It also lets them pull some upsets at times because the better teams can't pull away. So at, at plus 145, I, I want the under here. I, I, I'll bet the under and I'll, I'll hold my national title ticket. I like the play because um, I was tempted too. Like, I don't love the value at minus 170 on the over. I wrote down, I had seven wins automatic. I'm curious. Like, I think they beat Arkansas. I think they get, you know, like last year's game, they, they come out ready. I think they beat Miami at home. I mm-hmm. did not have Miami as a locked in W, though. That That's not including yeah. one of the seven. Um, so then, can they win, you know, games? On the road at Mississippi State, I think could present some problems. Like if they have to score, like Bud's talking about, they're not going to be a a, a toe to like go toe to toe with Mississippi State if they get. Are they some favored sort of at Mississippi shoot. State? What's that? Are they favored at Mississippi State? What What's the date on that? I would October first. October first. I think that's Mississippi a trap State. Game if there ever has one. Mississippi State's a very short favorite if it's favored. Um, I almost want to just copy what Bud said. I'm on the over because when I look at these teams, like Auburn, I think is is I had Auburn as a top. Like I think they beat Florida at home. I think they beat LSU at home. Like these are some of my lock wins. I have them winning on the road at South Carolina. The couple toss-ups, Old Miss at home, I think they beat. And I think they beat Auburn on the road because who knows where Auburn's going to be November 12th. And we'll get to them in a little bit. But I've got them going over, but I kind of like the way Bud played it because if they go, you know, if they do get things right, they could be that team that everybody's looking for outside of the top three. So I like that little, I don't know what you would call that. Is there a name for that that you're doing? The the straddle? Uh, They are favored by six and a half in Starkville right now at, at the Westgate. Mississippi State is favored by six and a half. No, A&M is. That's wow. what I'm surprised. Well, me, I don't I, agree I with that me my the, numbers. Me too. Give me the cowbell. I'll, I'll take them. Yeah, the yeah, right now. Wow. <laughs> Do you play fast enough to win by double digits? I don't know. Like, I mean, Well, these win totals don't require a margin of victory. Right. No, they don't. They require victories. And I mean, like last year, A&M, in their SEC games, they third double-digit wins were Mizzou 35-14, South Carolina 44-14, Auburn 20-3, and that's it. Uh, for the chat, no, I, I played AM at 40-1, to not 15-1. to I, I do not want 15-1 to on the natty. That's mm. no. What? All right, so what about the quarterback position? I think it'll be Haynes King. Haynes King? Yeah. Fairly confident. Nice. I mean, I, I guess that's a good thing because I looked at all three of those options as pretty good players. So if you've got one who's taking control of it, I think that means that Haynes King is is set to live up to everything that was projected of him. Right, well, he's okay. got some special legs too, right? I mean, he can he's he's a good he adds an element that you know with a chain in the backfield. Any uh, has they announced anything with uh, Anaya Smith? Yeah, the charges. Got yeah, dropped. the charges dropped. Oh, so no issues. Yeah, suspension over. He's back. I need, I need one of our listeners to make a meme for me. You know, like the Mario. 
meme where he's holding the crown and it's like you drop this king i need you to do that but replace the crown with a football so that way i could tweet that when haynes king fumbles <laughs> like you drop this king oh my <laughs> got it um also tom did a, a you know a, a real solid by uh doing the the no context uh i think that texas a&m loses to south carolina tagged texas oh, you're welcome and and di didn't include the wouldn't it be fun? No, nope. wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> so I guess I have to defend myself here because I can I can get you to nine and three with, while maintaining a loss at South Carolina. It's four and zero in the non-con. You beat Florida at home. That gets us to five. Arkansas is a win. Ole Miss is a win. LSU is a win. Now all of a sudden we're to eight, and I just need you to win either at Mississippi State, where we just mentioned they're six and a half point favorites, or at Auburn, where again on November 12th, I heavily lean the Aggies that way. So even if my wouldn't it be funny if, and thank you, bud, I, you, you tried to fend off some of them, but I just, you, you got to just be steamrolled. You know that the people that are hollering at me on the internet don't listen to the show, right? That you don't get the show type joke there. But Not yet I, they don't. Ah, there we go. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think I can still get you to nine and three, still get you to the over, even if wouldn't it be funny? And Texas A&M was the original benefactor of wouldn't it be funny? Because mm -hmm. it was Florida turning right around when they were on top of the world and then Kellen Mond taking them down the very next week. <laughs> so it's we, we could still get there, uh, even with what would be the biggest win of Shane Beamer's uh, young career. How many games are going to win this fall? Ole Miss over under win total of seven and a half. This is another one with heavily priced. We had minus 140 to the over for Alabama, minus 170 for Texas A&M, seven and a half for the Rebs, and it is minus 150 to the over, plus 120 to the under. Non-con, Troy, Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech and Tulsa. The draw from the east, uh, Kentucky at home, Vanderbilt on the road. Then when we get into division play, the Ole Miss will be at LSU at Texas A&M, at Arkansas, with Auburn, Alabama, and Mississippi State coming to town. Another uh, another team that leaned heavily on the transfer portal, Jackson Dart coming in uh, as he and Luke Altmyer are the quarterback room without Matt Corral. We also got to see Zach Evans, the former TCU running back. He has landed at Ole Miss. Defensively, we lost Sam Williams, lost some, some very important defenders. We also lost – DJ Durkin was there last year, right? He's at Texas mm -hmm. A&M now. Yep. Yeah. Also lost DJ Durkin as defensive coordinator. So after what was truly a historic season for Ole Miss football, Lane Kiffin leading the Rebs all the way into the New Year's Six, what are we expecting with the encore, and what are we doing with over under seven and a half? I went under. first last one. I'll, somebody else go. Under. I'll go. Oh. Ooh. Go. Yeah. Explain. Uh, I think defensive losses are going to be significant. I think that uh, to imagine that everything is going to click offensively, it requires us to be you know, very confident that you're going to be able to just plug and play. We also lost Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator who's been there, who is now at Oklahoma. I, I think there were a lot of – there is still, as Bud mentioned, a high level of athleticism. There is still – uh, enough for Ole Miss to go and be dangerous, especially with the way that Lane Kiffin can, you know, draw things up, call plays, try to scheme against some of these better defenses. But I just don't think that this is a team 
compared to the rest of those teams in the middle of that division, compared to an Arkansas, compared to uh, an LSU, maybe LSU, Mississippi State more than LSU. But as we look at this part of the SEC West, I don't think that they are definitively better. And when I have all these question marks and I think that there might be a chance of a regression, especially after a huge season, I end up leaning on the other side of some of these toss-up games. I mean, Ole Miss could be one in three on the road in SEC play. They could go to LSU and lose, go to Texas A&M and lose. They could go to Arkansas and lose. You just you start to see these losses add up. Alabama, I'm going to give that to Alabama. Uh, Kentucky, that's not a guaranteed win, even with that being at home. So I'm I'm going under here. See, I, I'm with you. I expect there to be regression off a 10 and 2 season. It's just I think that regression is still going to finish with them going over their win total of seven and a half. I think that this could be like an eight and four team. I I think they could start seven and zero. Oh. I, I don't think that is all that unrealistic because if you look at their first seven games, they've got two on the road, Georgia Tech and Vandy. The home games are Troy, Central Arkansas. Tulsa, those are three wins. They're going to beat Georgia Tech. They're starting 4-0. Right. Then you get Kentucky at home on homecoming. I agree. That's not a gimme, but I think that that's a game that at home the Rebels can win. I think they're going to probably beat Vandy on the road. And I think Auburn at home, they can win. Mm -hmm. So now we're looking at a team that's going to be like 7-0, 6-1, who needs to get to one or two wins in that stretch. And you're right. That is when things really start to kind of pick up as far as the level of difficulty because you get LSU and A&M back-to-back on the road before you're by there's a very good chance you're losing both of those games. You're coming off the bye against Alabama. Very good chance you're losing that game. Arkansas on the road, going to be a tough test, but it's winnable. And then, of course, the Egg Bowl is the Egg Bowl. I think I think this team is going to be worse than last year record-wise. I don't know if it's going to actually be a worse team, but I think 8-4 and four is more likely than 7-5. and five, So I'm on the over. I'm on the over as well. Um, now this is not a like a bet for me. It's it's just like a slight over edge. I don't love the what is it one forty. There you go, Jagnall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I but I I definitely don't want the under at this price. It's it's like a small edge. Uh, I looked at this. I'm like, damn, I don't like what my my simulator is is spitting out. And I kind of dug into the guts of of why it is. And part of it is because I just have them as really overwhelming favorites in their first four games. So I think they really have almost a guaranteed. 4-0. I actually have the likelihood of them starting 6-0 as extremely high. And, and to me, the, the order of these games is important because of how many transfers Ole Miss took, right? If they had to play a, a tougher early schedule, it would bother me because I, I worry a little bit about some of the chemistry of, of this team, given that they are going to start, what, eight or nine transfers, potentially. Uh, but they've got some real potential impact guys. I think Jared Ivey coming in on the defensive line, should help them a lot. Um, they're secondary. They, they took a lot of dudes. They got Aishim Young from Iowa State. Ladarius Tennyson's a pretty good athlete from Auburn. Not really sure how much he's going to play. Obviously, I trust Lane Kiffin to score points. I think they have a nice option there in Luke Altmyer at quarterback. I'm not even sure it's going to be Jackson Dart. I think Altmyer's potentially going to beat him out. Um, and then the, the thing that really put this over the top for me was I was talking to Cole Kublik on the SC Network at SC Media Day. And he was just singing the praises of that Ole Miss offensive line and what they have returning. And, and you know, he's on the voting committee for the Joe Moore Award. He really knows offensive lines well. And I was like, all right. like I'll, Sometimes it's tough to tell because they run so much funky stuff. But he really likes him. They add Mason Brooks, the transfer from Western Kentucky, who was a very good player for the Hilltoppers last year. I'm, I'm going to take the over here. I think that early you know, September, early October schedule really helps. 
have you found an SEC network analyst that will say something bad about the SEC? <laughs> Not on TV. Cole, he's good. He's one of the best in business. Yeah. I'm just messing with him. Um, I'm on the under. I, I'm going with more of the historical trend of where this program has been. I think it's headed in the right direction. I agree with you guys. So, like, and I think this division more so than most like a lot of them you go through and you mark up your wins and your losses and then you have toss-up games this one more than any i have the least amount of automatic wins and automatic losses in this division period outside of alabama you're like man and then there's a lot of toss-up games um i think bud made some really good points about the like keeping things together getting those transfers up to speed i don't know corral was really good last year I think he was a really good quarterback that I think there could be a little bit of a setback in a very quarterback-driven system. If you can run the ball, that helps. I just think they're going 7-5. and five. And I like the value at plus 120. I don't love minus 150 on the over. So give me the under on the, uh, the Rebs. The quarterback position is significant. Yeah, I'm with you, Danny. And is it? we don't even know for sure that Jackson Dart is going to be the starting quarterback? Like, it might be Luke. Well, I just Altmaier. said it's going to be Altmaier, right? Yeah. Could be. Mm. And honestly, I don't think that's an awful thing. Like, I feel like there's a narrative that's like, whoa, Jackson Dart hasn't been able to win the starting job there. That's bad news. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. It could just be very good news that Altmaier is playing well. There's yeah. also – I've covered Lane Kiffin a few times, a couple times at FAU – doesn't exactly run the tightest ship if you know what i mean like it yeah. is loose and if there were coordinators that were con like it's not only matt corral the coordinators which we did mention i think that's big there's an adjustment to coaching under a coach that's a little more loosey-goosey that let's play and he's embraced all of the new era athlete and nil and tweeting and having fun which is a good thing but I'm curious to see if he can replicate or, I mean, it doesn't have to replicate last year to get the over. I just, I'm curious to know what happens. They start strong and they lose a couple games, a couple back-to-back uh, road games there towards the down, you know, towards the stretch. I think it'd be very interesting at, at LSU and um, at Texas A&M. That's where I wonder if they go back-to-back losses, then what happens? Then it's three in a row. Like, could things crumble towards the end of the season? You embrace those players with NIL Curious to know what happens. Like, oh, we're not going back to a New Year's Six. Like, what type of mindset is the team in? You know, we're Shout reuniting out. with uh, with Baby Schematic Advantage after uh, <laughs> after two years with USF. Uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. comes over and gets to get some co OC job. They were together at FAU, and yep. uh, now he's now he's an SEC coordinator. Big stuff. You know it. I think Danny's point's a really good one. Does it? Is there a bigger issue going on there that caused more than half the staff to turn over after a Sugar Bowl year? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, I, so is there collapse potential like of a team you, of mercenaries? Like Miss, it's not like Ole Miss can't match offers. They would do what you know. They want to keep. They can spend. especially in the transfer market. Ole Miss is playing for keeps in the transfer market. You know, also, so coaches like if I'm talking about the coaches, side, market, not really. They can match all those salaries. Oh, right. That, you know, sorry. Because Durkin. Going to Texas A and M, it's like it's the Texas A and M DC job. Like that was, like, you know, Elko got left Notre Dame to go to that job. Like it is, it is coming with a big salary. It comes, it is, it is obviously valued in the marketplace. Lebby, it's going to Oklahoma. Like that, Lebby makes sense. He call, he gets to call his own stuff. 
You're never going to get out of Lane's shadow or Hypel's shadow if you're Levy if you don't go coach for a guy who's a defensive coach. Yeah, and going to yeah going to be the offensive coordinator for a defensive coach is a good way to get a head coaching job down the line. Yeah, if he lets you call your stuff for sure. All right, uh, I want to take a moment, a quick shout out to Preston Weaver, who earlier in the show I asked if somebody could do a meme of Mario holding the football. He's already sent it to me. Five oh. minutes later, there it is on the screen. You dropped this king. That is going to come in very handy on the socials during Texas A&M games this year. I just have a feeling. Thank great. you, Preston. You are uh, you're you're a champ. Coming up on the other side, we continue our breakdown of the SEC West win totals. Arkansas and LSU both at seven. Mississippi State and Auburn plus hitting on some huge injury news at Wake Forest and Florida. All that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Count them up! Let's start with Arkansas. It's priced a little bit more. Arkansas, uh, over-under win total of seven wins, minus 125 to the over, minus 105 to the under. The non-conference slate, Cincinnati at home, Missouri State at BYU and Liberty. I need to take a moment to celebrate Arkansas, which will be playing host to Bobby Petrino and Hugh Freeze at home. Just magnificent i mean they you go to an arkansas party you can see literally <laughs> anybody uh south carolina also going to be a home game at missouri uh, from the east then you get into the sec west we mentioned that neutral site game against texas a&m in the cowboys stadium that counts as a road game for the razorbacks this year they're also at mississippi state at auburn home games in division play alabama lsu and ole miss all coming to fayetteville Seven wins, round number, a team that is right in the middle of this division that, as we've already hinted and discussed, it is very tough to slide the pieces around. What are we doing? I'm in the over, but I don't love it. I think they're probably seven and five. Um, I think K.J. Jefferson's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the conference. They've built an offense around him. I do think the loss of Traylon Burks is pretty big, but I'm a believer in the culture that Sam Pittman has built. Like I had them losing to Texas A&M earlier, but I do think their their schedule, especially the non-con, is pretty pretty easy. The BYU game's a little tricky, um, but I'm going to go over. But I think seven and five is probably where they do finish. Whoever wins the boot, that's what, I I don't know what to do with Arkansas LSU, and they're both at seven. And so whoever wins that, like, what has anybody been close to that um, trophy? Because it looks like it, based on comparison from photo, that 
you know, the state of Louisiana and the state of Arkansas, and it's big. It's got to be about four feet tall total. I mean, I as I was going through this, and, and I'm not trying to like spoil my LSU pick as well, but I, I kind of see them, I count them up as being a push, like a perfect seven and five. And if Arkansas can beat LSU, then I think that this can be a good overplay. Like I, I don't have a strong read on this. I lean to the over only because I think that South Carolina and Missouri is a very manageable draw, even with Missouri being a rivalry game. I think that Arkansas will be favored against Cincinnati. I think at BYU is absolutely tricky, but it's a game that's winnable for the Razorbacks. So it is a strong push. I guess I lean over, but if they lose to LSU, then it's just going to settle at seven and five. This pains me, but I have to go under. I just don't think this team is going to improve on last year. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was doing a preview for this for an HQ last week, Danny. And you mentioned Traylon Burks. Like, like Burks was roughly 40% of their offensive output last year. And his, his total on KJ Jefferson's passing yards was an even larger impact because of how many of those yards came after the catch. Like there were a lot of very short throws to Traylon Burks where then he just took off like a freight train running through defenses and picking up a ton of yards afterwards. And I think the offense is still going to be good. I just don't know when you have a focal point and they leave, there's questions for me about how you can replace that so quickly. I think the schedule, while they don't have a ton of road games, is difficult. Non-conference games against Cincinnati, a team that's not going to be as good as last year, but is still a team that could be the best group of five team in the country and was in the playoff last year. A road trip to BYU, a Liberty team that's going to give you problems offensively. I think you combine that with your SEC schedule and there are just too many possible landmines that you could hit. And another thing that I look at too, like for teams like last year, the Razorbacks lost four games. But if you look at how they performed in those losses, they came by an average of 15 points each. And just for comparison's sake, in the rest of the SEC, only three teams had a worse scoring margin in their losses last year, Mississippi State, Auburn, and LSU. But the thing is, Mississippi State lost two more games. Auburn and LSU lost three more games. Arkansas, with only four losses, had you know, a worse scoring margin. And that, to me, tells says maybe you weren't as good as your record suggests. So I think there's going to be, considering what they lost, considering defensively they play a whole hell of a lot of bend but don't break, and they did very well in the red zone last year. Will they be able to maintain the kind of success they had there? I think this is a bowl team. But I think we're going to see a drop off in the record. I've got them going six and six, so I'm going on the under. I am mathematically on the under here, but I will note that you should only be playing the over at Caesars. Okay, seven minus one twenty or minus one ten uh, is by far the lowest number in the market that I see on my screen. And I've got about twelve books pulled up. Now, some of them I think are cloned because they look really similar. Whereas other books, like what you, Tom, throw, throw that meme up there again. They have under seven and a half, <laughs> minus one forty-five. Other spots. So if you want the over, bet it with our with our sponsor. If you want the under, don't give up a free half win for thirty more cents of juice. So betting advisory there. Like I will probably have a lock on this. It's not going to be at the Caesars number. Uh, but the Caesars number is. It's off market. Yeah, Bowser Sportsbook, correct. <laughs> um, the Caesars number to the over is a little bit off market and and I think is maybe value if you like this team more than I do. Uh, I'm worried about the loss of Burks. Tom already hit that really hard. What about Hazelwood? Does he finally click? 
That's an old I love him too. Simmons, like, you know, you've loved him. Barton's loved him. Yeah. I mean, ever since this guy's been in high school, we've been waiting for Hazelwood to just like explode onto the scene. And I would think that when we look at the Kendall Bryles offense, it's like, well, this, this should be a good opportunity for him to step into that role, get a ton of targets and, and finally, you know, end this season looking like an NFL receiver. I, I agree with you on that. Like, like that, that, if they go over, that will be one of the keys. The guy I'm most worried about them losing actually is, is John Ridgeway. So they play that drop eight stuff with, with, with a three-man front, and they play it really well. I think Barry Odom's an awesome DC because he just understands the personnel they have and doesn't ask them to do things they cannot do. But there is a personnel element to what they've done, and part of that was having John Ridgeway be a disruptor in the middle, be a, a true two-gap guy. Uh, and look, they've had to replace a guy like that two out of the last three years. Maybe they will do so again successfully and have a really good one in the wings. I'm not super confident they have a guy as good as John Ridgway. That was a hell of a college football player. They also lose a ton of experience in the secondary guys who knew how to play Barry's defense in the back end. I'm not a huge believer that KJ Jefferson is like an awesome NFL prospect or anything like that, but in that offense, they run that Bryle stuff. That's they're gonna score some points. Can they score enough points if the defense, you know, slips a little bit? I I had them as like a top 20 defense last year. If they're mirrored like a top 30 defense, I, I could see them going six and six, but I'm not betting under seven. So for me, for show pick purposes, give me the over seven. Yeah. So I'm the low man on the hogs. What the hell's happening? Oh, Danny. Oh. We're probably we're probably both low. Where are you at, Danny? Oh, I'm on the uh I'm on well, I gave it already. Danny's didn't on I? the over. I'm yeah, on Danny's on the over. On the over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double check. Oh. I'm like, what did I just give? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. A name to know for DFS, kid named Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders, uh, good two way player in high school. Some people like him as a backer, some people like him as a running back. He's going to start a running back for them, I suspect. And that kid can go. That was like a COVID class kid, if I recall. He's He's got some real juice to him. Count him up. The LSU Tigers, year one with Brian Kelly, got a win total of seven, minus 110 to the over, minus 120 to the under. Start the season on Sunday of Labor Day weekend against the Florida State Seminoles. The rest of the non-con includes Southern, New Mexico, and then a late season meeting with UAB. Uh, draw from the East, the Florida game is in Gainesville this year, and they welcome Tennessee to Baton Rouge. Uh, at Auburn, at Arkansas, at Texas A&M are the road games in division play. Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Alabama all coming to Tiger Stadium. Seven wins, just like Arkansas. What's the pick? I truly have no damn idea. Right? <laughs> I, I'm going under for the purposes of the show and for my numbers, but I don't know that I could really trust my numbers because I have absolutely no idea what happened last year that was real, what happened last year that wasn't, what's going to be different this year with a whole new coaching staff, like a carousel of quarterbacks. Will they all play? Will only one play? Who's going to play? I don't know what the hell LSU is going to look like in 2022. So I'm going with it under simply because I feel like this is, kind of a redshirt year for Brian Kelly and I don't know if the fans are going to want to give him that same benefit of the doubt but I just feel like there's going to be a lot of overhauling going into this program and while Bud you talked about it when we were talking about Alabama they probably have the best receiver core in the conference outside of Alabama but 
I just I don't know if that's going to be enough because I don't really trust the quarterback situation. And I think defensively, they're still going to be pretty good. But offensively, I don't have a whole lot of trust in this team. So it's hard for me to look at that schedule and see who they have to play and say, OK, yeah, no, they're definitely winning that game. There are way too many coin flips and not enough. That's a certain win kind of game for me. So I have to go under. But again, no damn idea. Danny? I'm with Tom in the no idea. Where I'm off of Tom is I'm on the over. I This team is always talented. They had nine dudes drafted last year. Second behind Georgia. Like Brian Kelly is going to inherit a roster that he's going to be solid. I think Brian Kelly is a heck of a coach. I think he was the resume is perfect. Questions at quarterback concern me. But in a lot of these toss-up games, I think this team's going to be more disciplined. I think they're going to be better coached across the board, coached. I got them going over. Not by a lot. Like, I don't love it. But I think eight and four is probably where they'll More likely than six and six. I mean, that's where you're sitting on the – Yeah, and like I said, if if LSU wins the boot, I feel good about eight and four. Um, If they lose the boot, they probably end up seven and five. But I I mean, I know. Talking to our resident Knowles here, the point spread is close. Do you think that that like how how did y'all rate that one? Because I've got that as a win for LSU, and so and I've got the Tennessee game as a win for LSU. So now I've gotten five, and, and I'm only going to get one more the rest of the way. I I don't see that uh, being the case. So I've I've I'm leaning over here and understanding that seven and five is one of the likely outcomes. I can tell you right now that Sunday night game between LSU and Florida State and New Orleans is going to be the game that I overreact to the most. No matter what the result is, I'm going to take it way too seriously. Well, because like Florida State's offensive line is not going to have to face. um, I don't. Florida State does not have Pitt this year, correct? No, but they have Miami. They have Miami and Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, I. I think it's going to be trouble for Jordan Travis. I bet this pretty hard at when it came out at over six. I just texted at the, the ticket to the group chat there. Um, seven's a tougher number for me. This is really sort of push range. I don't have a super strong feeling on this. Um, I think LSU does have, you could argue they have the best receiving court in, in, in the SEC. Um, defensive line wise, I think they have just total studs there up front who you know could all be like top 100 NFL pick type guys if, if they click. But like the secondary, that's a lot of transfers to be counting on. You know, Joe Focha, Converse, like guys who have played ball in the SEC, but it's still a lot of transfers to, you know, to be counting on. Uh, Offensive line scares me a lot for them. They are starting a true freshman left tackle uh, named Will Campbell, who had an excellent spring for them, uh, but also a kid that it's hard for me to shake, like Walter Nolan beat him badly at the Future 50 event last July that I was at. Walter Nolan, like, Speed and power off the edge. No one's like the 340 pound kid who signed with AM, like num- number one overall player in the country, arguably. Uh, that's a lot to be handling in, in an opening game. FSU has some defensive linemen who are going to be playing in the NFL that he's going to have to block in that opener. And he'll probably place a couple more NFL guys in the SEC, I would have to imagine. So I think this is a good number. Um, this team's a major wild card. I think, I, I think it could be Brennan. 
being the quarterback, but I, I don't know yet, man. You have no idea. Like Brian Kelly no, is the modern day Steve Spurrier when it comes to the quarterbacks. Like if he's got more than one option, he's probably going to use them all at some point. He's going to be, drive you insane as for when he's using them and when he's not. But this is a team like I could see LSU finishing second in the West. I could see LSU finishing last place in the West. I just don't yes. know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, Brian Kelly, just last season. This isn't even like we don't even have to go back to Pike and uh, Caleros. Yeah, we don't even have to go back to like Pike and Caleros. We don't even have to go back to Tommy Reese. That's like, a deep cut. Like we we don't even have to go back all the way. We only need to go back to last season mm-hmm. when he would do Jack Cohn for a little bit. Then we get Tyler Buckner for a little bit and just continue, just move these guys in and out. Um, Jane did like Miles Brennan will be the starter. Then Jane Daniels will come in after a couple series. Then Miles Brennan will be back in the game. I'm I'm 100% anticipating that as well, which might, hey, maybe it works. Maybe it's going to frustrate the hell out of LSU fans. I mean, he, uh, he's gone from Grand Valley State to Cincinnati to Notre Dame and LSU, so all it frustrates the hell out of me. It's clearly worked for him. Clearly. <laughs> How many games are going to win this fall? Mississippi State Bulldogs over under win total of six and a half wins, minus 120 to the over, minus 110 to the under. The non-conference is Memphis at Arizona, Bowling Green, and East Tennessee State. A draw from the East includes going to Kentucky and hosting Georgia. Woof! West Division draw at LSU, at Alabama, at Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Auburn all coming to town. Will Rogers was one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the SEC in the country last season. And Mississippi State under Mike Leach has created this, um, I I would argue, a a kind of high floor and spunky sort of dangerous proposition where I don't think any team on this schedule is going to look at Mississippi State as a certain win. We discussed for Georgia that when we did the same exercise for Georgia that we did for Alabama, where we think they're going to go 12 and 0. But if you're going to circle a game, what looks dangerous, then yeah, that game in Starkville in November is going to be one of them. So it's a team that you feel like could pop up and get almost anybody on the schedule, but yet with a over under win total of six and a half, clearly we are not looking at a team that is going to be competing for an sec West title. So how many of those games break Mississippi state's way? What are we doing at six and a half? I'm going over. <clears throat> I think Clang is going to catch some people by surprise this year. I, I look at their schedule. I see two losses for sure. Definitely. I don't mean just two losses overall, but I, they're going to lose at Alabama and then they're going to lose at home to Georgia. I don't see them beating either of them, but there isn't another game on the schedule where I look at and say, Mississippi state can't win that game. Like they get Texas A&M at home this year. They beat Texas A&M at college station last season. They get Auburn at home. They get Arkansas at home. They get, you know, LSU is on the road, but we just talked about LSU. No idea what the hell to expect there. That's not a game that you can just write Mississippi State off and say they're losing that game. Non-con Memphis, they're probably going to win that against the greatest one-win team in the country last year at Arizona. Probably going to win that. Bowling Green, you're going to win that. And then, you know, ETSU late in the season, you're going to win that. So there's probably four wins right there. So the question is, can they go three and five in the SEC? Yeah. And we've seen, too, like if you look at Mike Leach's history as a coach, year three is typically when things start going well. Like he'll get off to some slow starts, but by year three, things are in place. His roster is in place. His offense is in place. Everybody knows everything that they're going to be doing. And the difference is this time he actually has a good defense. He's never really had that in year three before. So I think Mississippi State could surprise some people. I think they're going to go seven and five. I think they could go eight and four. 
Hey, bud, did you have you gone inside the guts of the power ratings for Mississippi State? And I guess the yeah. first question should have been, why is Mississippi State getting some love from the power ratings? Because it de- they grade out as a team that is arguably even within a point or two on a neutral field with Texas A&M, yet clearly are sitting with a very different win total and expectations in terms of the opinion and the layman out there looking at the SEC West. Sure. So, uh, yeah, like I on that chip. So they were like a top 40-ish team last year, power ratings-wise. Um, if you take out the Bulls, they were a little bit better than that, and I do. Um, I know some people want to leave them in. That's up for debate. The reason why you think they make a jump to top 20 this year, but their win total is still so low, is that they do have the two teams on the schedule that are considered the auto losses mm-hmm. in the league in Georgia and Alabama. And they don't, sorry, Barton, have the one team that is considered an auto win for everybody who's not named Missouri in Vandy, right? And they also don't draw Missouri from the East. So that's why their win total is so you know depressed. Uh, they also, like non-conference-wise, at Arizona is... It's close to a lock, but it's not like totally out of the realm of the poss- of possibility that Mike Leach's team could lose a non-conference game out on the West Coast or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's why. I, I just it, my certainly pick? Would it, it certainly wouldn't be the first time a Mike Leach team lost to a Pac-12 team it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Correct. Um, didn't they get clipped by an FCS team one year up there too? Yes. Early on? Eastern got them. I'm pretty sure it yeah. was. I'm still going over on this. Um, it, I, it's like a small play. Like I would, I would actually bet it. I do think if you're doing the returning production formula stuff, you need to like double adjust for the loss of Charles Cross. That's that's something that's not just going to be captured in in how many snaps you lost on the offensive line. Like that guy's a you know first round pick at offensive tackle, but everybody else on this roster, with the exception of Cross, Makai Polk, and pretty much it like they, they lost Emerson and Peters in the back end they get almost everybody else back and it's a very veteran team they can run more stuff with uh their DC who I was going to give a lot of praise to but now like I can't remember his name that's, that's Zach, great Arnett. TV. Zach Arnett thank you uh I, I'm I think they can go seven and five over over yeah what are you guys doing with the Auburn game win home game and it's Auburn. It's, it's off a bye, and it's and it's in Starkville. Yeah, I'm giving it to him. So November, I'm, to- I'm in such a toss up in this one. <laughs> uh, I'll lean towards the quarterback. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. Um, so I'll go over. I think yeah, I, I mean, you, also about the third year, seeing the improvement in Mike Leach's, yeah, kind of where things turn a corner uh, and things start to ramp up a little bit. I'll rely on that history too. Count them up. And the Auburn Tigers over under win total at the Caesar Sportsbook of a round six wins, minus 130 to the over, plus 100 to the under. Non-conference play. Boy, they just start posted up on the planes. Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, all at home. Uh, also, Then later in the year, they will be playing Western Kentucky, also at home. Draw from the east includes Missouri, then at Georgia for their rivalry game. Then in the West, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, at Alabama for the Iron Bowl, LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, all at home. Brian Harson caught a lot of heat at the end of last season. Well-documented, much discussed here on the Cover 3 podcast. Tank Bigsby, you know, we, we're going to do the 
you know, who is the best quarterback in the SEC? Who are the best wide receivers in the ACC in the SEC? Tank Bigsby right there in the argument, if not starting the conversation for best running back in the Southeastern Conference. Then we've got Zach Calzada through the transfer portal. TJ Finley remains a part of this team. What what do we do? We got changeover at coordinators, coaching staff in general. We've made all these references to where's Auburn where where is Auburn at the end of the season? Where is Auburn at the end of the season for the win total? What do we do with six wins? Under. Much tougher number than oh, sorry. Go ahead, Danny. I'll say under. I just don't know how you can trust a team. I think six and six is probably the the number, but how do you trust a team when who knows how many players want a new coach, but we know that a very definitive faction of Auburn faithful want a new coach. I just think it's a toxic environment that Brian Harson is trying to go against the grain in. I mean, I look at the Georgia being just a blowout loss. I think they could lose it Ole Miss and then good luck trying to finish the season when there's going to be an uproar of what should happen at head coach. You know, I think there's question marks whether they beat Penn State at home. I just, I, there's no way I can trust this team with an over. Four and zero is possible, possible, right? Mm-hmm. Five and zero, maybe even possible. But like, what if Western Kentucky finishes Brian Harson and they go zero for four in the month of November? No, I'm I'm predicting a big step back for Western Kentucky. This is obviously not the same. No Bailey Zappi, uh, no Zach Kittle. That's not the case. But I still think that when the schedule gets tough and it starts at Georgia. Like at Georgia, loss. At Ole Miss, loss. Arkansas could come to town, loss. At at Mississippi State, I already mentioned in the Mississippi State breakdown, I'm handing that to the Bulldogs, loss. Texas A&M, loss. Like we could start with great vibes, and I just think that at the back they half did last year too. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> what's going to make it hurt even worse is the way that they just like slid backwards throughout the whole second half of the season. If it starts to happen, oh here we go again. Yeah, I'm, I am on the. Uh, I'm on the under, but it's not a strong they are going to miss a bowl prediction as much as it is I don't see seven wins. So it's like a the, the way that I've got it in my notes is push lean under, but I, I would not be out here taking the over. Yeah, I'm right there with you on it. I, I bet this six and a half when it came out, there are six and a halfs on the market right now, uh, but you have to lay juice to go over. And I just think that missing a bowl is more likely here than winning seven games. Uh, First, the strengths. I think they will. Ha- this will be the best starting Auburn offensive line in maybe six or seven years. Mm. I think they finally have some guys up there up front they like. If they stay healthy, if they don't, I think the depth is a very legitimate concern. Um, I think their pass rush is probably okay. I do not think that their interior defensive line is anything to write home about, to be honest. I think they could get pushed around a little bit there. They lost some very key pieces in the secondary, like Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday. Uh, hope Smoke gets healthy. By the way, I saw he got hurt in, I think it was Saints camp the other day. So uh, shout out him. The, the most concerning part about this team for me is the receiver position. This was a bad group last year, and they lost Kobe Hudson and Robertson. Uh, I don't think – is this the worst passing game in the SEC West – by far or by a little? Because I'm pretty sure it's worse. I'm just not sure by how much. In the West, yes. 
Is it worse than everybody but Vanderbilt in the East throwing the ball? No, I think it's better than Mizzou. Interesting. So I almost think I trust the the, the alpha nerd to to have a better passing game than, than, than I do this group. I worry this team is too plotting and has too many like games that it cannot hit explosive plays with the pass game and may may not have quite enough defense to back it up. So that like to, to play that kind of you know plotting run the ball 40 types of game style. So I'm I'm gonna go under um but I'd rather pay up to get the six and a half and win on seven. Auburn will be a lock for me when we do the locks pod next week. And it will be a lock on the over. All right. You are all slaves to the narrative. You're just paying attention to all the off-field stuff. You're not paying nearly enough attention to the on-field stuff. I think, as I said, when they made the hire, I think Brian Harson is a very good football coach. When I watched his teams at Boise State, I thought they were good football teams. I think now that he has survived whatever the hell that stupidity was last year, Auburn has a very good football coach going into the season. I think at quarterback, they have made an upgrade. I know Zach Calzada is not great, but this makes sense to me when I say it. Maybe it'll make sense to you. Zach Calzada is a Brian Harson quarterback. Like Zach Calzada could have played for Boise State, and it would have made a whole ton of sense. I think he fits what Harson wants to do on offense. I think that's going to work. Going back to the worst passing game in the conference, talked about Vandy. I think he's better than Missouri. I also think due to some news we'll probably be talking about in a little bit here. Might be better than Florida, too. I don't think the passing offense is that bad, but you touched on it. I think this offensive line is good. I think the defensive line is good. I feel like when you have good offensive line and defensive line, that goes a long way. And when I look at this schedule, Chip, you mentioned it. This team could be 4-0 to start. It could be 5-0 because, again, no damn idea what LSU is. At Georgia, no, not happening. At Ole Miss, could happen. Bye. Arkansas at home off a bye. That's a winnable game. Mississippi State on the road. I just said I'd like the Bulldogs. I give the Bulldogs that one, but Auburn can win that. A&M at home, strong lean to A&M, but not unimpeachable for Auburn. Western Kentucky, that's going to be a win. And then, you know, the final game of the year at Alabama, come on, that's going to be Alabama. But it is also the Iron Bowl, and crazy crap happens in the Iron Bowl, even without Gus Malzahn. So I think this team is going to get to seven and five. I think this team can get to eight and four. I am very much on the over here. Go Tigers, war, damn eagle. Can I ask you a question about this? You can ask me like, anything you want, bud. What, what, so you said you think he fits what Harson wants to do on offense. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you think that actually is, though? Cause like, I'm curious. What- it's not all that different. It's less, it's less complicated. But it's not all that different from what we see Jimbo have his quarterbacks do. Just He's not asking you to make huge throws. He's just asking you to make simple, accurate throws for the most part. And I think that's kind of what Calzada was in last year. But now he doesn't have a thousand checks and all this other crap that he's got to worry about. It's just going to be go to the line of scrimmage, make this read, make the throw. Like He only averaged just under seven yards per attempt last year, but... 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions as a sophomore. Doesn't make the worst decisions. Didn't have great receiving options last year. I don't think he's going to have great receiving options this year either, but I do think that they're going to rely on their run game more. Like Auburn is going to play 
not Big Ten West stylish, but they're going to be kind of in that vein where it's physical, complimentary football. They're not going to try to outscore you. They're just going to try to play smart and beat you and keep it close. Play action, one, one, two, get out. Yeah, Yes, all that kind of stuff. And I think Calzada could be a very good fit for that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year we're looking at Zach Calzada and saying, that's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Wow. And then I, Brian Harson gets a $95 million extension. That's yes. all I hear the next And week. then they fire him six months later. i hope you're right i don't like seeing coaches get i think he's been seeing such a tough situation i hope you're right i just wouldn't bet on it i love that he he brought in brian harson is so against the grain that we don't get to see all the familiar name like all the sec coaches just you know it's all inbreeding when it comes to their coaching staff you look at the auburn coaching staff who What's that guy? Okay, I got to click on more. Well, bios. they tried the inbreeding route, and that didn't work out. Yeah, it clearly <laughs> didn't work out. Um, yeah, well, Jer- Jerry Hinnon loves your prediction, Tom. That's f- absolutely fantastic. Any any more thoughts on uh, on Auburn before we uh, we take this to Sam Hartman? So news breaking uh, out of Winston Salem on Wednesday. Sam Hartman uh, is out for an indefinite amount of time due to a non-football medical issue. Dave Clawson said that Sam Hartman underwent a procedure yesterday. There's no clear time frame for his return, but he will return this season. That means that Mitch Griffiths is the number one quarterback right now for the season opener against VMI, but Michael Kern will compete with him through the rest of fall camp for those QB1 duties. This is a an offense that Sam Hartman has absolutely mastered. It is very unique, and it has explosive wide receivers on the outside, including A.T. Perry, who's one of the top wide receivers in the country, and Donovan Green, who we've seen in flashes back from injury last season. If he's back by the time Wake's schedule really gets tough, maybe this isn't a major issue, but this is clearly a major setback for the Demon Deacons. Uh, thoughts on this news and how it might have adjusted your your predictions for Wake Forest and what they can accomplish this year. Yeah, like now that we know that he has a chance to come back this year, it makes me feel like a little bit better, you know, that it is, we're so, sort of assuming this is not like a life-threatening thing at this point. Like early this morning when I read that announcement, I was like, mm-hmm. uh-oh. I think, I think we all thought the same like, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, serious, like, long-term medical issue or something. Um, I mean, they're talking about the you know, quarterback competition stuff. So he's going to miss at least some part of the season. You know, it, if he makes it to the back end of the season, I think they still have an excellent shot to make a bowl game pretty comfortably, right? Like, they should beat VMI. They will still be double-digit favorites on the road at Vanderbilt without Sam Harbin. I mean, like, like I think I had him at – 15.8. So you're not going to cut that down six points because of Hartman, I don't think. Uh, you know, Liberty, Clemson, Florida State, Army, that's sort of three out of four games there. Clemson almost always just, just crushes those guys regardless who plays quarterback. Those are kind of three really important games. If he can get back for some of those, that, that would really help. Their back half, though, uh, is very easy the last two. I mean, Syracuse at home and at Duke are, are probably the two easiest not or, you know conference games they have. That BC, Louisville, NC State, North Carolina stretch is that's where uh, you need is, them. October fifteenth is their really, bye, and that stretch yeah. that you just mentioned starts October twenty second after the bye. If if you were to 
if you were to look at like where, you know, if, if the football, if the medical team and his recovery and getting ready, the, that seems like where all of those timetables would line up. And again, the indefinite, the, the expectations that he will be able to return this season. He was at practice um, and seemed to be in good spirits. He had a quote officially released from Wake dis- discussing how it was a very disappointing day yesterday to get this news from the doctors undergoing this procedure and knowing that he would miss the start of the year. But the, the tone from the first release, as Bud mentioned, to what we've gotten with comments from Dave Clawson and more information from Winston-Salem indicate that hopefully – you know, with no setbacks or no further issues that we will be seeing Sam Hartman, who was the runner up, I believe, for the ACC preseason player of the year voting. So clearly, you know, one of the biggest stars in the conference. If he like you said, Bud, I think if he can get back for October 22nd and remain healthy for the rest of the season, then Wake Forest, 100, not 100 percent. Wake Forest is still going bowling. If you had an eight and a half over, yikes. I do Which think I think that, might have been my suggestion, and that's where I'm like, all right, not anymore. Like, well, you'd be crazy to take that now. It um, dropped to seven at, at the places that actually did. Like, most books took it down, uh, a couple adjusted. Right. I mean, in a by the way, if you are system, if you're ahead. betting with a local, like not like a national major book, if you do have like a bookie, that's a great way to get banned for by, by that guy like f- fire on a under win total uh, like right as injury news happens like they don't take real kindly to that just <laughs> yeah it's a great way to boost your uh sports line record okay. <laughs> <laughs> no we've got policies we've got policies that you know they, they they would they would not like you to do that um but uh, the other news from college football on the injury front, and it's been referenced a couple times in this episode, uh, Florida losing uh, wide receiver Ricky Pearsall. He is out indefinitely with a foot injury. This uh, definitely calms my Anthony Richardson could be awesome. Bold take from Monday as we look at the rest of that wide receiver room. The names are familiar because we've been expecting – each of them individually, uh, Justin Shorter, I think probably is the most recognizable, but even you know Xavier Henderson, Whittemore, like there are pass catchers here that we've been looking at to really have an impact. Pearsall being out, major da- downgrade for Florida. How does that change the expectation or does it change any of your picks from Monday's episode? It makes me a little more scared of taking the over on the Gators, but I mean, it's a big injury in that like when you look at Florida's receiving core, there's not exactly a top option guy that's like standout stud. So losing him, who reportedly was doing pretty well in camp, is not going to be good. But it's just Florida's offense is not really going to be built on the passing game anyway. Like you said that, you know, Anthony Richardson, it hurts your idea that he's going to have a fantastic season. I think Anthony Richardson could still have a fantastic season. It'll just be more like the Khalil Tate at Arizona kind of fantastic seasons where maybe he's not throwing for 3,000 yards, but he might rush for 2,000. So I, it's not good, but I don't think it's like a devastating injury. Yeah, it concerns me that he was getting that much hype in the early part of their camp. I, I think it it probably like I'm probably validates my, my opinion here. So like, you know, preconceived bias that their receivers are not very good, that this transfer they took from you know, Arizona State who had, what do you have, like 400 or 580 last yards last year, 12, yeah. 12 reception. I so mean, he's basically, he was a Florida receiver. <laughs> right. Like for that guy to come in there and be the one who was getting all the hype, that tells me something, I think. And it's you know very small sample set, a week of camp. 
uh, about the rest of their receiver room. This goes. This takes it from just. It would be really nice if Justin Shorter could play to his physical potential. To mm-hmm. we really need Justin Shorter to play to his physical potential now. And I, the sample set's pretty big on him not consistently catching the ball. So we'll see. If he catches it, that'd be great. Mm. Keep keep your eyes, obviously, uh, to 24-7 Sports for all the latest updates from Wake Forest in Florida and more. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, we have definitely on the podcast side something special coming for you on Thursday. A very special guest. We're excited for you to check that out. We will be back answering some of your mailbag questions as well. So make sure that you get it in there. Five-star review. Put your question in the review. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.